Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Here we go. Another episode of Positively Trek and another episode of Strange New Worlds, which we'll be discussing on today's show. Welcome, everyone, to the show. I'm Bruce Gibson, along with... Dan Gunther. Dan, I know you've watched Strange New Worlds. How are you feeling about the series so far? I'm really enjoying it so far. I, I've been, yeah, really, really enjoying each episode. Seems to have something that really hooks me. This week's episode, definitely no exception. Really, really enjoying the show for sure. Me too. And we're going to discuss episode four of season one, Memento Mori here on this episode. But before we do that, you know what we always got to do? We've got to talk about some other Star Trek stuff, some stuff in the news and everything that we're just talking about offline with each other. Then we're like, we should talk about it on the show and we should talk about it with everybody online and we should all just talk, right? Let's all get together and just talk about some stuff. So let's talk Star Trek. So Picard, you know, that season just ended season two. (laughs) It's like we're, Talking about season three, which isn't coming out for like it until sometime next year. But there's been some little teases going on here from Terry Metalis, who's the showrunner of Star Trek Picard. And some tweets are going out there. You know, what did we do before Twitter? We always had to get Star Trek Communicator or Star Trek Magazine to find out anything that's going on. Now we've got the showrunners and the cast and people behind the scenes tweeting things out. And here's Terry tweeting something out about a new character for season three of Picard, who is the villain, played by, quote, someone you've seen a million times before, someone I've always wanted to work with, and, wow, you're not ready, end of quote. Mm -hmm. So, Brent Spiner, Dan, that's what you suggested to me earlier. (laughs) (laughs) Well, based on some stuff that he says later... It's not Brent Spiner, which I'm excited about. I, you know, we know Brent Spiner's in season three. We're not sure who he's going to be playing. Probably not Data. I don't see how that would work exactly. I'm just, I don't want like, hey, now here's Frank Sung, the long lost nephew of Noonien Sung, who looks exactly like Brent Spiner. Doesn't seem to be that. So um, there was some speculation. People are like, oh, someone we've seen a million times before. (gasps) Jeffrey Combs. Maybe it's him playing another iconic Jeffrey Combs role. And so somebody asked Terry Metalis over Twitter, is the actor playing the new villain Jeffrey Combs? He's someone we've seen through a, a few Trek series. He replied, no. And then someone else asked, are you willing to say if this person has acted on Trek before or just an actor we know from popular culture outside Trek? And he replies, never been in Trek. So not Brad Spiner, not Jeffrey Combs. They're not the main villain, apparently, in season three. It's someone else. Hmm. Who could that be? Somebody big. Somebody. Wow. You're not ready. Right. So. 
Who would wow you? I'm thinking, what, Tom Cruise? (laughs) I've seen some interesting speculation online, and I don't know that this would be who it is. But my favorite guess that had me going like, oh, yes, was Sir Ian McKellen. To see him work with Patrick Stewart on Star Trek would be so much fun. I That's just a total shot in the dark by a few people online. But as soon as I saw that, I was like, yes, I would be there for that. That would be amazing. That's a good one. I love that one. That that would be excellent. That's a good call. The thing that trips me is when he says someone you've seen million times before. Like it's somebody that has been in I guess a lot of stuff and and, and in some ways I kind of even went to TV. Like is it somebody who's been on TV like we see so often in a in a series or something to that effect, but I I don't know. Oprah Winfrey, because she had a talk show forever. <laughs> She's an actress. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Ellen DeGeneres is the new villain in season three. Ooh, there you, there you go. Yeah, her show just ended. So <laughs> yeah, no, she's she's got the free time. There you go. <laughs> she's available. Yeah, I'm very curious. Was it? What about Eddie Murphy? Because he was supposed to be in Star Trek Four: The Voyage. Oh Home. yeah, yeah. That would be a that would be a great choice. <laughs> Well, we'll have to see. We'll have to see. But at least we know we have the TNG cast all coming back. And there was a tweet even involving that where someone asked, will we see at least one scene with all seven TNG cast members together? And Terry sent a little gif of Stanley from The Office nodding his head. I love that. So I guess that's a yes. (laughs) Yeah. And it it sounds like what they're saying, it's, People have asked, is this just a TNG reunion? Is it just kind of like a... And uh, he says, no, they all have an important part in the series. And we know that a lot of them anyway are involved in many of the episodes. So it's not just like, you know, Riker shows up with Troy in the middle of the season in Nepenthe and then he shows up again at the end of the series. It's not like that. It sounds like they're very much integrated into the story they're telling in season three. So I'm pretty excited about that. Well, having been involved as much as I've been with star Wars fandom, and you're also a star Wars fan, it I'm thinking they're probably learning their lesson where people have complained. We had an opportunity to have Luke, Leia and Han together in the sequel trilogy and they didn't have all three of them together in the same scenes. And mm-hmm. I hear that still to this day where people complain about that. Like, what a missed opportunity. And it's like, yeah, if we didn't get all the TNG crew together in a scene together, everybody would be going, what a missed opportunity. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, he says, yeah, with this tweet, there will be at least one scene with all of the TNG stars. So that's Patrick Stewart, Gates McFadden, LeVar Burton, Michael Dorn, Jonathan Frakes, Marina Sirtis, and Brett Spiner all back together. And I personally hope they're sitting around a conference table hashing out a problem because that's so iconic TNG. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, I was even thinking maybe Picard dies and he sees them in heaven type of thing or something or <laughs> you know but then he already died in the series once he can't keep killing them been there done that yeah <laughs> we'll do something different yes well speaking of killing things off now dan you were telling me before the show there's a lot of people complaining about this one which is no surprise but destination star trek london canceled like what the heck is going on with that 
Yeah, this seems to be a surprise announcement. Caught a lot of people off guard. So Destination Star Trek tweeted, we've decided to run just one big Destination Star Trek event this year. That means DST Germany taking place from 23rd to 25th September will be the one official European Star Trek event in 2022. We know that this will be disappointing to some of you. Uh, So yeah, the one in the UK canceled, kind of pulled out from under Star Trek fans feet in Europe and some understandable angry reactions online. There are a lot of people who have already purchased travel and accommodations, a lot of those non-refundable. Uh, there's a lot of really upset people out there right now. And I've, I've got to wonder what prompted this decision. Well, there's an, a statement that just came out, uh, I think today, as we're recording this on Saturday, the 28th, that says that given the unpredictable challenges of in-person events at this time, we wanted to focus all of our resources towards delivering one strong show for European fans as opposed to two events that are a few weeks apart. We look forward to celebrating with the fans later this year in Germany. Now, this sounds like a COVID issue. If it's I guess challenges so, yeah. of in-person events, yeah. Yeah, and I'm, I mean... Like cards on the table. Let's all be honest here. Everything comes down to money. So they have determined, I'm assuming at some point that it's going to be not feasible to have these two shows and to just have the one show. Uh, Maybe the restrictions made it too onerous to try to put on two shows. I have no idea. I'm not sure. But yeah, it sounds like, like that's what they're saying here that due to the unpredictable challenges, I guess, of in-person events, whatever that means, that means there's just the destination Star Trek in Germany and, and this one's canceled. So I don't know. That's confusing to me for sure. With all the new Star Trek, I mean, Star Trek's popularity has been rising again, you know? So Mm -hmm. it's an odd time to say, well, we can't support two shows at, you know, within weeks of each other. Cause I'm thinking, yeah, but I think attendance would be up because of new star Trek, you know, you're re-energizing the franchise. So yeah, there's definitely more at play here. Like you said, money wise, whatever it is. I mean, I know it's going to cost extra money for UK fans now to go to Germany, but you know what? You might as well do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the other thing I've been seeing online is, is, this is getting wrapped up with a lot of stuff that that is being perceived that is being done to European fans by Paramount and the folks making Star Trek because of, you know, the confusion with them getting the shows late and not getting them at the same time as in the US. So I'm, I'm seeing like a lot of that kind of added to the frustration about this. And there's, there's a lot of vitriol and frustration in social media right now from European fans. And, and I mean, rightfully so, like, you know, it's, it, I would be pretty upset if I'd paid for hotel rooms and travel and maybe can't get that refunded. And I'm still not sure if the tickets for this event are being refunded either, because it seems in a lot of cases, what they're doing is they've just transferred the tickets to the destination Star Trek Germany event. I don't know if they'll be offering refunds or not. 
that's kind of a question I've seen asked a lot of times and not a lot of satisfactory answers to that. So I assume they would have to offer refunds, but uh, I've been seeing frustration that people are worried they won't get refunded because they've just been given Germany tickets instead of the the UK ones. Yeah, because I'm looking at a tweet from Destination Star Trek uh, in response to someone asking London isn't on anymore. And they said, unfortunately, yes, Germany will still take place in September and all ticket holders will receive information of next steps. So there's probably something where you have options of you can transfer your tickets to Germany or you can get some kind of refund. Yeah. I would think that, Mm -hmm. I mean, they obviously have to refund people. They can't expect everybody to go to Germany. Yeah. That's my thinking as well, for sure. So, so this is in September, Dan. So should we go to Germany? (laughs) I unfortunately will not be making it to Germany at that time, but uh, I hope I mean, yeah, I I hope it's an amazing event and I hope fans are are satisfied and and able to attend. And for those who can't, I I really feel for you for sure. So, um, yeah, I don't know. (laughs) I really want to go. (laughs) I would love to go. That would be amazing. But uh, yeah, we'll bring you more information on this as we learn it. If, you know, we get confirmation of refunds and kind of what's going on there. And if we find out exactly why this has been canceled, that would be great as well so we're we're here for you our european fans we're solidarity my friends we we feel for you for sure you know you don't need any freaking conventions you have this show right we can just celebrate star trek here well some of them don't have the show yet though either that's the sad part (laughs) no i mean this show positively track oh yeah yeah you've got us You've got us, but I, yeah, small, you're right. Small comfort, I guess. <laughs> right. We're talking about an episode that maybe you can't see, so forget about it. We're, we, we're not a good replacement for a convention either, so. We're so sorry. <laughs> I know. It's, ugh. All right. Well, for those of you who can't get the latest episode of Strange New Worlds that can maybe see it later and held off listening to this late, this episode here later, well, welcome. Um, you probably know more about what's happening with Destination Star Trek now than we did at this point. So, anyway. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. This is too devastating. I'm going to have to take a break, Dan. Um, yeah, let's do that. Let's take a break. We're going to take a brief break, recover from all this, and we're going to talk about Memento More, Episode 4 of Star Trek Strange New Worlds. This episode of Positively Trek is brought to you by our wonderful supporters on Patreon, including our Constitution class supporters, Jim Stoffel, Joyce Marin, Carl Morris, Dave Garcia, Rick Young, Paul D. Kinnear, John Blaber, and Jesse Earle. Thank you all so much for your support of the Positively Trek podcast. If you would like to become a patron of the show, go to patreon.com slash positively trek. You can get early access to episodes, exclusive content, shout outs, associate producer credits, and more. Again, that's patreon.com slash positively trek. Thank you once again. And now let's get back to the show. Did you see something, Fig? dark. I didn't see it, but it makes noises like this.
Hunter Bridge. We need to scan the area for polarized EM signatures. Quickly. So, Dan, do you know what Memento Mori stands for in Latin? Did you look it up? Remember that you must die is <laughs> is kind of the accepted translation that, that I we learned in school. But yeah, it was keep in mind, remember that we all die and you will die as well, basically, is, is kind of the idea behind it. It sounds like something a Klingon would say before battle. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Memento mori! <laughs> Today is a good day to die. It's kind of the same, uh, you know, maybe a little bit more uh, happiness behind the Klingon version of it. But yeah, it's similar. <laughs> Remember, we're all going to die. <laughs> like, oh, gosh. <laughs> Positive feelings there. Yay, great. <laughs> uh, you know what's funny? There's There's a line, I think it's in Redemption Part 2 of TNG. And it's always been one of my favorite, this is total side tangent, by the way, but where, you know, we have that phrase, eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. Right. That's kind of the soldiers are going to go out, but tonight remember that you're alive and, and let's, let's enjoy this moment. And in redemption, I think it's Kern says to war to wharf tonight, we drink for tomorrow we die. So it's like, kind of that same idea but for the klingons it's like they're celebrating that tomorrow they get to die it's like just a twist on that i I always love that that like he's happy because yeah let's party because we're gonna die tomorrow yay (laughs) i love klingons they're so ridiculous (laughs) have you ever thought about what your last words would be before you die um a little bit. Yeah. I, I'm a big fan of the author, John Green, and he kind of had a, a thing about learning the last words of a, of a whole bunch of famous people. So hearing that, I kind of wondered what my last words would be. And I mean, I have no idea. I hope it's, you know, something like I love you to someone very close to me, but yeah, I don't know. How about you? I, I feel like you've given this some thought. Well, no, I, I haven't really given it that much thought, except I hope I don't say something really stupid before I die. Like, I don't want my last words to be like, oh, I need to go to the bathroom, <laughs> you know, or I don't know, just something like, but I was just thinking as we were talking, maybe if I know that I'm on, like on my deathbed and I'm starting to fade and I know this is it, that I might just try to utter the last words to be today is a good day to die (laughs) boom and i'm out (laughs) but you know it really should be i love you to family (laughs) i hope so yeah for me for sure Uh, the the last words of famous people there's some really good ones i i wish i could remember who they're attributed to but there's like a general that his last words were something like uh stand up you cowards at this range they couldn't hit an ella and then he got shot um <laughs> oh, no <laughs> yeah yeah uh yeah that's one of my favorites slash one of my like saddest i guess that is sad it is well i let's get into this episode because there's one thing i think about as each episode has aired and we haven't discussed it on the show and now's the appropriate time to do it because we're four episodes in before we jump in, this episode starts off with Lon doing her security officer's log, and she gives a star date. Have you noticed the star dates aren't 
sequential that they're not there's this not consistency like oh we're starting at one three something something next one's one four like one starts with a one next one starts with the three next one starts with the two so on and so forth Mm -hmm. and i kind of love it because that's how they were in the original series and gene roddenberry was asked about this at one point and he basically said like well stardate's well, to the writers of the episodes, he said star dates are meant to obfuscate the date. Like they're supposed to be uh, nonsensical to us because we live in the 20th century at the time. And if you lived in the 23rd century and served on the Enterprise, you would understand. Like, yeah, that makes total sense. But to us, it doesn't make any sense. And they were all over the board and stuff. And I kind of love that they're doing that in Strange New Worlds that – you know, if you were Chief Hammer on the Enterprise, you'd be like, oh, start at 3177.3. Yeah, of course. That makes sense to me. Last week was 2864 and next week will be 1125. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. To us? No idea. What the heck? does That doesn't make any sense at all. <laughs> uh, I was wondering how they would handle star dates because if they tried to make them earlier than the earliest star date in TOS – they would start to re- they would be jammed together. They would all be within like a hundreds of each other, you know. Yeah. And it really wouldn't work. So just having these like random numbers because it really stood out when this to me when she s- said three as the first number, I was like, oh, now we're gone to the threes, you know. It's like I the one disappointing thing that I've had with Star Trek in more recent years, and I don't mean with the new Trek that we're getting now. I mean even prior to that, going back to TNG is. I used to like the idea of not knowing exactly when Star Trek took place. I just know it's like a couple, you know, two to three centuries ahead of us somewhere out there. They don't use earthbound dates. We'll never hear that in Star Trek. It's just star dates. We don't know exactly what a star date really means or where it plays. I like that. But then when we Mm -hmm. started getting it, you know, narrowed down to, oh, this is this year, this is that year. But now we've got all these Earth dates, even to the point in the Kelvin timeline, the star dates are the calendar years on Earth. I don't like that. Yeah, I agree. It wasn't even until Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, with that title card that came up that said in the 23rd century. We didn't even know that was the century Star Trek was in until that moment in 1982 so uh yeah it, it's changed a lot now that we know exactly the calendar date and they've they've moved everything to make it fit in and interestingly our next book club episode where we're talking about the novel final frontier by diane carey will i'm sure have a little bit of a discussion about the dates because she made some assumptions in there that don't work anymore so you know people it was just left to the writers to kind of guess at about where things were and at some point that all got squished in to make sense but it didn't wasn't always that way folks it wasn't always like that no it wasn't no and i used to just think well when kirk says five year mission it's not really five earth years it's five star date years which could be Hmm. longer than five earth years giving them more time to explore and do things but now that's all you know each ebb has said it ended in 2270, the five-year... Yeah, all this... We got dates now. Anyway, it's not yeah. a big, huge complaint for me, but I always liked it when <laughs> you don't really know for sure, you know? But anyway, yeah. I like what they're doing with the star dates like we were just discussing. But, you know, Lon 
I love that we got to focus more on her again in this episode. This is really playing off to what she said in the very first episode about how she was, you know, young when attacked by Gorn. And now we're seeing some of that play out in this episode uh, with her past. So I enjoyed that this didn't wait so long for us to get to it. It's like we got to in just a few episodes, but the whole idea of the crew wearing pins of other starships that have, you know, where there was loss with that starship, you know, tremendous loss and they're honoring those ships with the pins. I got very excited about it because I saw those pins at Star Trek mission Chicago. And Mm. I was like, yeah, what were those pins for again? I took pictures of them. And then when I'm watching the episode, I'm like, oh, wait, I got my phone. And I'm like, I know what that pin says. Oh, wait, I think that's this pin. I'm like looking at the pins on my phone. (laughs) Yeah, really cool idea. And as someone, I I love that it's called Remembrance Day. As someone who lives in Canada, we celebrate Remembrance Day on November 11th, which I I believe is Veterans Day in the U.S. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Correct. Yeah. Uh, and and in Canada, we traditionally wear a poppy pin to commemorate the fallen soldiers. So this felt very familiar that they're wearing these pins to commemorate uh, starships that have been lost or or what or crew that have been lost in the line of duty and stuff that felt like something that felt very natural. And I love that. I love that Pikes is the USS Discovery. That's a nice touch. I, I wasn't, I know online they showed various peoples, but I, 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 it's hard to see in the episode. You can't really tell. Yeah, it's hard to tell. I was trying to tell by the colors, like there's color rims on it. And that's why I was mm-hmm. looking at my phone. I was like, I think that's a green. Let me look at, see if there's a green to try to figure out which pin. And there is a pin that is a USS Discovery, which I'm assuming mm-hmm. Spock is wearing. But the no, same- no, like, like, I, like I just said, that was Pike's. Pike was wearing the He Discovery was wearing Discovery? Pin. Okay. Yeah. So my point with the discovery one is, isn't that supposed to be classified? That- well, I mean, the the mission of the ship was classified, and and the spore drive and one particular member of the crew, but the ship itself is a matter of public record that it was destroyed. Okay. Uh, yeah, because they talk about that, and Admiral Vance knows those records. You know, a thousand years in the future. So that. The, the fact that the ship existed isn't classified. So wonder what pin that Spock is wearing. I don't know. That's a good question. I would have liked it better if he was wearing the Discovery pin because of his sister. That's why my mind went to Spock and Discovery. Because it's hard to, to tell exactly. But yeah, that would have been cool to me. So looking at the pictures from this Trek Gore article, I, I think both Spock and Pike might be wearing the Discovery pin. They both look like that gold discovery pin okay i could be wrong about that but it would make sense it's hard to tell i I was pretty sure spock maybe had that discovery pin but it again it's hard to tell one shot it's like oh it's green next shot oh no wait that looks blue you know it's just it's just it's sometimes hard to do that we should have really been on set and and checked it out for ourselves so yeah yeah you know come on paramount (laughs) cbs you need to have us on set just to verify these things so we get it right on the podcast Exactly. So the Enterprise is uh, heading off to this colony where they're not getting signals. They're going to check them because the comm satellite has been destroyed. And when they arrive there, 
they send down a landing party and they don't find anybody there. And which has happened in other Star Trek episodes too, even this season. But uh, did everyone evacuate? And then there's a dog. I love the dog. You know, that's the, I think our first dog in this this series. And then the blood. You know, that bothered me because there's this big pool of dried blood and they all stand on top of it. I'm like, Ugh, no, don't stand on it. Don't stand on the blood. <laughs> that's disgusting. Yeah, that was uh, uh, definitely a chilling scene. And you see that everybody was kind of brought there and then taken away. Uh, the bodies were dragged there. That was definitely chilling. Yeah. But then they eventually do get hold of someone. Back, They go back to the ship and they get hold of this uh, professor who's on a cargo ship that's used to transport radioactive ore and it's resistance to transporters. So they can't beam the people on. So they have to then get their transport tube from the enterprise to this cargo ship to get everybody onto the enterprise, which we find out later is kind of this ploy by the Gorn. But I want to ask you, Dan, when they were talking to this professor who's on the colony ship or the cargo ship, did you think, did you trust that woman? Because I was like, I don't know if I would trust her. I don't know if she's like behind this or, or the Gorner there trying to bait them or whatever, which eventually kind of happened. But I thought maybe she might be in on something. Hmm, I didn't get that impression at all. I, I definitely felt like this was on the up and up and they felt desperate and, and like survivors. So yeah, I didn't, I, I mean, I, as we see, it's kind of a trap by the Gorn, but you know, she wasn't in on it. I definitely didn't get that impression at all. Yeah. I, I just, I'm suspicious of everyone now, especially when communications are down or there's some reason we can't transport it. Like, I just felt like something isn't right. You know, that's why, mm -hmm. which obviously in a, in a way it wasn't because it was, the Gorn using them as bait to get the Enterprise because when they have that little transport tube going to the ship, their shields are down. And uh, I love when the little girl is talking to Lon and she's like, you know, they're, they're like these creatures, these monsters, and they're clicking. They're making this click, 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 click. And you know right away Lon's like, oh, my gosh, it's the Gorn. Did you think we would see the Gorn in this episode? No, I didn't think we would. I, I thought it would be like a, a a hidden thing. And I was definitely, it turns out, right by the end of the episode. I, I was interested to see the Gorn, but I didn't think that we would. I felt like it was a little too early to show them off. But what we see here definitely is Laon's trauma. We're definitely seeing the trauma that she went through and how that informs what's going on with her throughout this episode. It's interesting she sees her brother all the time, and we don't really learn that's her brother till later in the episode, but there's there's a lot going on here. And I got to say, the actress is just really nailing this performance. This is the... I, I had a hard time connecting with the Lon character in previous episodes, but in this episode here, I'm like, okay, we're finally kind of seeing what makes her tick. And again, I, I think that's by design, too. I think we're meant to feel a little alienated from her. And now we're seeing why she acts the way she does, this trauma that she's gone through and, and beautifully portrayed by Christina Chong. Oh, yeah. I love her in this role. I mean, she's great. I, I have a feeling she's going to be one of my favorite characters in this series. I just get mm -hmm. that sense. And then there's a scene later. I can't remember if it, I think it's Pike calls out to her something, Lieutenant Noonien Singh. And the, I've seen the episode twice. Every time I hear that, 
it kind of throws me for a moment because I'm used to hearing Khan Noonien sing. And to hear Lieutenant Noonien sing, it just like reminds me like immediately like, yeah, she's like connected to him in some way. It's so weird to hear the word Lieutenant before that name, you know? Yeah. I, I love that we've had, you know, this character, we, we got introduced to her with the name and stuff and we made all these assumptions and, it's interesting that there's more to her than that. And we actually know more about her experiences with the Gorn and all of that. than we do anything about her connection to Khan other than that there is a family connection there, you know, that hasn't come into it as much as these other experiences have. So as a character, that's been surprising and, and interesting to me that, yeah, that, that that exploration of her hasn't even really touched on that yet, but we still have explored a lot about this character. Yeah, and I just love how confident she is, you know, to go to the captain and say, we need to get out here. We need to put the shields up, you know, almost saying to Captain Pike, do as I say, you know, I know I'm your acting number one right now because Una's been injured, but it's like, we have got to do this. Trust me. You know, I love how she's just like, trust. And he just gives her that look. And it's all of a sudden you can see, I trust her. I'm going to listen to her. I'm going to do what she says. I love that scene. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's wonderful. And yeah, like I said, she plays that really well. So also going on at the same time, we have, like I said, Una being injured. Uh, Uhura and Hemmer are in engineering together. And I like the exchange that they had. Well, they're actually in the in the cargo bay too, which, which yeah. figures into the plot quite a bit because the cargo bay is one of the places that's that's hit and damaged quite badly as well. Yeah, that's right. They're in the cargo bay and they're working on that AP three fifty thing, and you know, and because it's burning up or they ever have to cool it down, and he gets his hand hurt, and I love how Uhura comes and she pushes that big whatever thing that was on his hand that crushed it out of the way. And he says he can't use his fingers and she can do that for him. And he's talking her through it. I loved her enthusiasm when she gets something right. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. I, Celia Rose getting another just gem in this cast and Bruce Horak as hammer. I'm loving as well. And just, I, I gotta, I gotta say this Bruce Horak from Calgary my and and in my home province of Alberta and recently on a, a local Alberta radio station CKUA there was an interview with him and it was just so cool to have like this local person you know local 9 hours drive away from me but you know local in quote marks who is in Star Trek is a main cast member in a Star Trek show and both of these actors together I thought were great I loved these scenes between the two of them I'm liking his character, but I'm really waiting to have that character episode for him. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, because I feel like we've really got to know a lot of the other characters and him not as much yet. And mm -hmm. yeah, I'm really looking forward to that because I think there's a lot there to explore. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, they've got this whole situation where the Gorn is approaching. I love the Gorn ships, by the way. Yeah. Those are really cool. This is another instance where I think the model makers at Eagle Moss are watching this going, oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> I want a collapsible one that I can just crush. It can implode in my hand. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah, but, you know, 
they they have this dwarf, this brown dwarf that's being kind of sucked into this black hole, and they decide they're going to hide in there. Meaning the Enterprise is going to hide in there to get away from the Gorn. But you know this, the pressure of that and everything is could collapse the ship, and everybody's worried that you know it could destroy the Enterprise. I love how Pike's confidence is she'll hold up. She, this like almost like this is the enterprise she's the superhero she can do it she can hold up and you just hear the creaking you know and everybody mm. looking around and i'm just like how is he so sure that that's actually going to survive <laughs> so do you think pike this is a genuine question do you think pike's confidence that the enterprise will survive is due to his knowing his future. Do you think that's where that comes from or is it something else? I love that question, Dan. Yes. Cause I thought about that. Cause there's this one scene. It wasn't when they first went in, but when they decided they're going to go in deeper, there was this pause and I, and it was that confidence of like, we'll be fine. I know. And I thought, does he know because of that he knows his future, but then every risk isn't a risk then, right? Because it, it's like mm. if you know that period of time that you're going to die, and even though he doesn't necessarily die, die, but when is it, or, you know, every will you risk everything because you know the future's already been planned out? You know, it's like, I don't know. That, that to me was interesting because it, let's just say, Dan, for example, that you knew your future, that you're going to die in year whatever, whatever, right? Or star date, mm-hmm. whatever. I'm going to give you a star date. You know, you're going to die on that star date. That is written in stone. Does that mean that you would jump off a cliff because you know you'd survive? Yeah, I don't know. You know, <laughs> I, I I don't think that I would. Right. But yeah. So could he change that somehow? Like if he just stepped in front of a bus one day right. or something? Right. You know, I don't know. Yeah. Or again, does it stem from the fact that the reason the future is set in stone is because we know what kind of a person he is and he will do what it takes to be there to save those cadets just because of his personality and who he is. Like, is it, I don't know. This is all philosophical and I, I'm not sure. Yeah. <laughs> Cause if it's written in stone and the future can't be changed, if you take that literally, then yeah, he could, he could, you know, blow up the enterprise and still survive. right but obviously we know that wouldn't be true so Mm. yeah i don't know i don't want to get too far into that but i did have that thought too because i thought he's probably staying there going i think the enterprise will hold up i think we can make it but there's that little doubt in his mind like but i'm not 100 percent sure but i think i'm going to give the order and right before giving the order there's that moment of like yes because i'm about to give the order and i know it will work because I, I will live on. I know the future. And that gives the confidence to definitely say, yes, we're good to go. So will that make him more reckless in the future? I think is an interesting question because he had that moment as well in the season two finale of discovery where he's in the room with the torpedo. He says, if I'm in this room, this torpedo won't go off. And Cornwell looks at him and says, are you sure about that? Are you willing to risk your ship and crew over that? And the camera's on Pike and his face changes and he realizes, I don't think I can. I don't think I can. So there is something, there's something in his mind that's holding him back a little bit that, you know, maybe I'm I'm not so impervious and, you know, I don't know. 
he just <laughs> he decides to leave that room and go to the bridge. So did he survive because he left the room to go to the bridge? And that's what was always going to happen. Like you could go down so many pathways with this where it's like, <laughs> ah, it's so confusing and my head hurts. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And here's the funny thing. Like I wasn't even expecting to talk about this because it was just something I briefly thought about when I watched the episode. And now that you brought it up, it's like, to me, that's the thing that's really stirring my mind right now about this episode is that I'm That's something I'm going to think about. And we get to every episode when Pike makes a decision. Is it because mm-hmm. he knows his future? Is he reckless? Because is he more reckless than he would have been? Yeah. There's a lot there. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my gosh. It's probably not good that you know your future people. I'm telling you, it's just, it would freak me out, I think. <laughs> but they do. They survive. I love it. when I, I'm getting really excited now. I love it when <laughs> the Enterprise, they decide to just sit. Let's just sit. And Ortegas is like, okay, ship approaching, ready to go. Nope, nope. And I love how he gives the opportunity to Lon to tell Ortegas to hold. You know? Yeah. You're the first off, like, go ahead. Like, not just hear it from me, but hear it from you too. Yeah. There's some great moments with all of those characters and Laan especially. She settles into that first officer role so nicely, which we saw her do in the in the first episode. And she takes that again here. And I I love her in that role. It's kind of too bad that number one has to be sidelined for that to happen. I was kind of disappointed that she was sidelined in sickbay for the whole episode. But it was still great to see that dynamic play out on the bridge. Yeah, just real quick about number one being in sickbay. That was my least favorite part. It wasn't that it was awful. It was just like, well, I know she's going to be okay and they're going to get her to feel better. And all. it's like, yeah, it was just a reason to sideline her to put La'an up front, you know? So yeah. I, I just to that point, I don't really have much to say, except at the end of that episode, I love how she's getting her blood from Mbenga. You know, yeah, that was that was cool. really cool. I love that part. <laughs> and she she sees what's happening. She sees the blood going into her, her arm, and she's like, "They disobeyed. They disobeyed my orders. I I said to save the plasma for that the other crew member." And she looks and follows it and sees it coming from his arm and just smiles at him and he <laughs> smiles and nods back. No dialogue. <laughs> Just a beautiful scene. I loved that. That was so well done. Yeah. I, I love that you just said no dialogue because I was going to say, I just love the looks they gave yep. each other. That was perfect right there. Don't, no need to say anything. The looks say it all right there. Yeah. And can I just sing the praises of Jess Bush as Nurse Chapel? I feel like I'm going to do this every week, but I love her dynamic. Like, who says that? me (laughs) (laughs) right and i i made the comment to nikki while we were watching this i said there's nobody on this cast that i don't like which you know is i mean i don't actively dislike people in other star trek casts but there's characters where i'm kind of like but this cast i i love every one of them they're all terrific which I I cannot wait. This is this is my thing that I like to collect. I cannot wait to go to a convention and get signed eight by tens by all of these actors. I love them all. 
Agreed. I mean, I, I love them all too. It's why I was saying earlier about like, I can't wait to learn more about Hammer. It's like all these characters I want to know more and more of. And I love Chapel's, you know, the portrayal of Chapel in this series too, because she's very much like, I'll just roll with it. Like, you know, you could say stop and go and she'll just say, okay. Like she just goes with it. You know, mm-hmm. it's like when last episode, when she finds out that Una is, Illyrian and she's just like okay well let's do x y and z like she didn't even question it and go wait what and what she's just like okay i'm 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 ready to change lanes i love that about her character yeah absolutely yeah who moved my cheese there's a book about that an old book called who moved my cheese she probably read that book (laughs) (laughs) but um going back to the ship and the gorn ship approaching it you know because spock figured out a way to turn a a compass into a radar per se. And I love when you look at the view screen and they're not moving and Ortegas is like, uh, you know, we got to move. And they're like, Nope, just stay where you are. And you just see that Gorn blip coming closer and closer and then just pass it. It's like, they can't detect them, but then they go, okay, let's drop a torpedo on them. Oh, that was a ruse too. That was the Gorn's plan to try to find them. They sacrificed that ship to find out where the Enterprise was, and they go to a commercial break. Oh, see, yeah, I'm. It fades out for me, but I don't have the commercials. So, <laughs> well, I pay the extra not to have the commercials, but sometimes I note where I can tell that it does that fade, uh, and I'm like, oh, that's yeah. when it goes to a commercial break. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, honestly, I feel bad like saying this in some ways, because I know some of you watch it with commercials, but it's like, I can't imagine having commercials in this. <laughs> it would drive oh, me crazy. It, it'd be so stressful. <laughs> What's happening? I need to know. <laughs> I just know I can get through the whole episode without interruption. It's like, that's why I get up so early to watch it, because I my wife leaves for work early. My kids, you know, that, now that they're home, for summer break they sleep in but i want to watch it before they get in because there'll be something like dad can you help me with this or they're making you know something in a blender and i have to pause it because it's too loud (laughs) (laughs) i gotta get through it people (laughs) so i said earlier about then the enterprise moving more into that central mass and you know i had a lot of thoughts about the Wrath of Khan and Balance of Terror in this, mm-hmm. you know, the whole kind of submarine kind of feel. Absolutely. Yeah. It very much feels like, and I mean, there's so many great moments too that really feed into that. The dropping the torpedo bombs away, all of that stuff. And Ortega's dive, dive, dive. <laughs> That was great. That was maybe one of my favorite lines in the episode. I thought about it later that this is really a bottle episode, in a, except for hmm. them beaming down briefly to the planet. I mean, it's really all taking place there on the ship. Yeah, that's a good call. I never thought of that, but it makes sense. I guess the cargo the cargo bay was probably done with the AR wall, yeah. though, too, now that I think about it. So, yeah, interesting. Yeah, I th- yeah, I definitely think yeah, the AR wall was used for the cargo bay. And then we do get on the shuttlecraft, so we do have Laon and Spock on the shuttlecraft to kind of be its probe to see what's where the Gorn ship is cuz they can't stay in that you know, the ship is about to destroy the or that device the the AP350 is going to explode and destroy the ship. You know, they got to get out there, but the Gorn will be seen. But I love it when she's on the shuttlecraft, Lon's on the shuttlecraft with Spock, because they get that moment together. And yeah. that 
what looks like some kind of you know beam between the two Gorn ships is actually we find out a communication device. It's the way how they communicate because of her past experience witnessing that with Gorn, which prompts us to this whole mind meld thing with Spock. The whole episode I love, but the mind meld was just at the right time because it just broke up all the action and just focused on these two characters, not just Lon, but Spock. I thought this was a great scene. I really enjoyed this as well. It was two great actors, of course, and we see Laon's memory of the past and her brother and what those lights and signals mean. But she hears Burnham's voice as well and realizes that Spock's connection to all of this, you know, she he's recognizing that she lost her brother and the rest of her family. And she realizes he lost a sister as well. And when she talks about it, the look on Spock's face, the kind of like fear a little bit, maybe a little bit of panic where he's like, I believe we should end this mind meld. And there's so much there. There's like, obviously he doesn't want to talk about it because it's painful and it hurts. And also, I'm sure some of that look of panic on his face is like, this is very classified and you're not supposed to know about this. We need to right. stop this now. Yeah. So that was great. Yeah. Cause she points out that the records don't show him having a sister. Like she's seeing that, wait, there's something declassified here, something that's being hidden. And he's like, it's time we end this now. <laughs> yeah. <know? laughs> but one thing I don't understand, and I've watched it twice, I don't understand. I don't know why I'm missing it or maybe it's not even there, but when we see her brother giving her the journal of, you know, how he studied and this, you know, the communications of the Gorn and how to read it, he gives her that journal and he tells her to run and she says, well, come with me. He says he can't. I didn't really understand why he couldn't go with her. Well, I think cause he was injured and would slow her down and he wanted her to get away. Right. I think that was, that was all it was, was if, you know, she continues to try and help him hobble along, they're both going to get captured, right? But yeah. if he says to her, run, she can get away. Yeah, I wa- Yeah, I wondered, I thought maybe it's because he's injured, but I didn't really pick up on it, you know? But uh, it doesn't matter. He couldn't come with her. <laughs> but I was just wondering, I was like, why can't he go with her? He seemed fine to me. He liked to smile around the Enterprise when he appeared, which I always thought was funny. You know, all of a sudden there's these intense scenes and there's a guy just standing there smiling like, hi. (laughs) I love that because it shows how she remembers him and that, you know, she's not remembering him as the scared, panicked, about to die. He, she remembers the good times and the, the happiness. I love that. That's something that a lot of people can't do. And I I appreciate that she's able to do that. Absolutely. Yeah. And then back on the Enterprise, we do have Uhura finishing the reboot of that AP 350. And there's a really great scene there. We do find out a little more about Hemmer and being, you know, the, the Enar being pacifists and how he wanted to be a botanist, I thought was interesting too. And that he doesn't fight for Starfleet, but he defends its ideals. You know, those are those little Star Trek moments that I just love. Yeah, absolutely. And his idea that that pacifism means defending all life. Like that's his definition of pacifism, protecting all life. 
I love that. Yeah. So yeah, that was a great moment with Hemmer where we're getting just a little more of him. But uh, that, I mean, now it just really gets into the whole finale of just, you know, getting this action going and getting out of the situation where they decide they're going to do the slingshot effect around the black hole to get out of there and use the AP 350 as a decoy, like a, a duck or what was, <laughs> wait, what were the different animals? The duck, um, uh, sn- what do snakes, ducks, and opossums have in common? That's it. Yes. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> when they're hunted, they play dead. And that works, right? I mean, they do their slingshot effect and there's an explosion and the Gorn ship leaves and the enterprise leaves and they live happily ever after, except Lon is concerned that the Gorn are coming closer into this region of space. And Pike's like, next time we'll be ready for them. He seems pretty confident. She does not. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And you do say they live happily ever after, with the exception, of course, of the seven crew members and the three civilians who were lost as well. That's true. And I'm glad that they showed that, you know, with the flags over their coffins. And it's just not something that, oh, yeah, we lost crew members and that was it. You know, we acknowledge Mm -hmm. the loss that comes with it. So, yeah. Any other thoughts about this episode that we didn't cover? I I think I, I just want to reiterate the idea of the Starfleet Remembrance Day. I really like that, that sometimes in these shows, it feels like people die and crew members are lost and stuff without a lot of fanfare or, or recognition. And I love that it's now in canon that there is this day that they really do reflect on that. So, you know, like imagine the importance of that during the Dominion War and stuff as well, you know? So I appreciate that. Well, and you mentioned about veterans day in America, but also uh, this past weekend, as you're listening to this is Memorial day weekend. So this episode came out the week of uh, Memorial day. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Interesting timing. I wonder how planned that was. Hmm. I don't know. Coincidence or good planning. (laughs) I like to think good planning. (laughs) But that being said, Dan, final thoughts on this episode. I really enjoyed this one. I love that we finally get some insight into Laon's character and we see kind of what makes her tick. Great character moments in this, as well as combined with some of the best Star Trek action in years. Like the whole battle sequence and the hiding in the brown dwarf and the escape via the black hole. Incredible. Really, really fun to watch. Really amazing. Great homages to, you know, run silent, run deep, these submarine warfare movies and stuff. And every character moment was top notch to me. I I love seeing more of Chapel, Hammer, Uhura, and of course, Laon and Pike and Spock. Like all of them had really meaty things to do in this episode. So yeah, top marks for me. I'm giving this one, uh, I'm going to say five out of five AP three fifties that trick Gorn. Okay. So yeah, I love this episode. I feel that each episode has gotten better. I mean, I would probably put this on the same level as maybe the past two, but it just feels like it's, it's, it's raising the bar and it's always meeting it at this point. But seeing more about Laon, which I'm really loving her character, 
And yeah, the whole interactions with the crew, the whole submarine type combat that's going on and bringing the Gorn into this without seeing the Gorn was interesting to me. How, you know, it makes them more mysterious, even though we've seen the Gorn. I like the fact that not everyone has seen the Gorn. Lon has seen the Gorn. But, you know, them being monsters is something that they all think about uh, the species. And, yeah, just the whole pacing. I keep mentioning pacing, but I'm I'm liking the pacing of these episodes. I mean, there's just so much I could say. And like you said, the Remembrance Day, all that going on. So anyway, long story short, I'm going to give this one five out of five clicks that you would hear from a Gorn. Ooh, terrifying. <laughs> yes. Oh, and then because our CFO at my company and I found out that we're both Star Trek fans, he did send me an email that day and he said, bloody brilliant. That's all his email nice. said. <laughs> that's, a, that's a great review. I love it. Yep. And agree wholeheartedly. I agree wholeheartedly too. And Dan, if others agree or disagree with you, where can they find you online? You can find me on Twitter at Kurtrats. That's K-E-R-T-R-A-T-S, youtube.com slash Kurtrats Productions. And of course, in the Positively Trek discussion group on Facebook, where uh, you will find a spoiler thread for each week's episode, including next week's as we get closer, which is called Spock Amok, which I'm excited about. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that one. Yes. Okay. I'm excited, too, about that, too. So, yeah. Find me online on Twitter at Admiral underscore Rex. That's Admiral with the underline Rex. I'm also on Instagram, just Admiral Rex. You can also email me at Admiral underscore Rex at Yahoo.com, which my kids always say, who uses Yahoo? You know, but... I've had these emails forever. <laughs> so, but then I also have a Gmail account, but I'm not going to give you every email account that I have out there, but you can email us at a Gmail account, positivelytrek at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at positivelytrek. And as Dan mentioned, we're on Facebook. Look for our discussion group. Join us in there for these discussions. And also we have a Goodreads group where we talk about the books and comics and you'll see what upcoming books we're going to cover on the book club. So check us out there. And I want to thank our patrons on Patreon for all your support. And thank you, the listeners, for listening and communicating with us on a regular basis online. We love hearing from all of you. So go out into the world, avoid the clicking sounds of Gorn, and stay positive. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.